the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you. And do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and contact friend so they can join in as well. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre and good Holy Sunday morning with God. Good Holy Sunday morning, my dearly beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd love to wish a wonderful and happy feast day. Today is August 6th. It's a unique feast day um, in the church. It's the transfiguration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, on Mount Tabor. Um, you know, longing for God's kingdom, longing for God's holy house. Uh, um, see how great is the love uh, the Father has given us. Uh, we are called God's children, and that is what we are. Uh, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he really is. We are called God's children, and that is what we are. And uh, with that, we look at uh, the face of Jesus shining in bright light, his clothes turning dazzling white, um, whiter than the snows, Lebanon. And Peter uh, looks to the Lord and he says, Oh Lord, it is good for us to remain here. And uh, with that, of course, we see that uh, the beauty of the beatified vision of the Lord Jesus Christ actually is an anticipation of our glorification after our death. So upon Mount Tabor, Jesus revealed to his disciples a heavenly mystery. While living among them, he had spoken of the kingdom and of his second coming in glory. But to banish from their hearts any possible doubt, concerning the kingdom and to confirm their faith and what lay in the future by its prefiguration in the present. He gave them on Mount Tabor a wonderful vision of his glory, a foreshadowing, if you want, of the kingdom of heaven. It was as if he said to them, as time goes by, you may be in danger or losing your faith. So to save you from this, I tell you now that some standing here listening to me will not taste death until they have seen the Son of Man coming in the glory of his Father. Moreover, in order to assure us that Christ could command such power when he wishes, the evangelist continues, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. There, before their eyes, he was transfigured. His face 
shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Then the disciples saw Moses and Elijah appear, and they were talking to Jesus. Good early Sunday morning, my dearly beloved uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, on this Sunday I have with me um, in our um, um, KNUS uh, Zoom room, Gerard Abi Asaf, our vice president from Denver, Colorado. Good Sunday to you, Gerard. It's Sunday morning to you, Father. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, I, I miss you, in fact, and it's good to hear your voice and to see you in the Zoom room. You know, on, on the show, uh, I like us to speak about the longing for God's temple, the longing to have a home. This means that all of the humanity has been invited, has been called to dwell and to follow God's kingdom, basically. But the reality is that not all people, uh, you know, are people who believe in that, right? One could even declare that there are some people who have committed themselves to destroy homes, to destroy the perfect city, to hate God, <clears throat> to persecute his children, and of course, to hate his kingdom. They want to destroy God's kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven is at war. And this war began um, at the time of the angels who was fallen Lucifer and the third of the angels who fell with him. And then those fallen angels wanted to drag humanity into an exile, into hell, into a place of dreadful fear um, and, and, and a fire, um, into a place where there is torment and there is heavy darkness, where there is no God, basically, um, showing in his love and his mercy, no eternal life. Um, yet also the sword in heaven, Gerard, broke also on earth. In the world today, um, we do know that there are 360 million Christians living or surviving under severe persecution. We know that um, only about 4% of Christians are remaining in the Middle East. We know that, um, you know, about 3,829 Christians were abducted last year. We know that 5,898 Christians were killed for their faith in 2022. We know that on a daily basis until 2022, 13 Christians are killed every day for their faith in Jesus Christ. We know that at least in 2022, and these censuses are according to the 2022 World Report of Open Doors, of Open Doors, that 5,100 churches buildings were attacked, were burned, were destroyed. Um, Gerard, how can somebody still speak about uh, the house of God, the home of God, where churches in Europe, churches in the U.S., churches elsewhere are turning and they're being sold, they're being turned to become apartments, they're being demolished, uh, they're becoming nightclubs. Uh, how can somebody speak about uh, the house of God, the kingdom of God? How can you define it? I do not want to traumatize our listeners on this good Sunday morning with Father Andre, but I want to show them how mysterious is the love of God and how faithful we shall remain to his promise that we all have a home. And in my father's house, there are many, many, many houses. And that's what Jesus promised us. How can we still maintain that faith? I believe to help people find that treasure, that jewel, that once they find, they got to uh, sell everything they have and hold on to that jewel like Jesus said. So I think if people cannot find that jewel or don't know where to look, or maybe they're not even looking, but once you find, it's like Jesus when he called it in the Bible, 
Sinai, they asked him, how, how do you resemble the kingdom of God to? And he said, it's like a precious jewel. One, a man found it, then he hid it. And he even sold everything he got to keep it. So I think once they people lose their lose lose the sight of heaven, it becomes very easy to lose your purpose in life. Because it's through the purpose of uh, being longing to heaven is that we find our purpose in life. And this is to accomplish what Jesus said and live the gospel. This is how you'll find meaning to your life. Because it doesn't end uh it doesn't end when you die. It begins after death. Now I wanna I wanna ask you um, you know, I don't, this is August 6th, of course, and we just celebrated August 4th, the uh, commemoration, the third anniversary, unfortunately, of the Beirut bombing, the Beirut explosion. Um, you know, in 2020, August 4th, there was a huge explosion in Beirut, and um, about 350,000 families and people and houses um, were left w- without homes. In fact, if you uh, remember, if you recall the statistics um, of that time, um, I do believe that about 350,000 people in Beirut, Lebanon, were directly affected by the Beirut seaport explosion. These people had to leave their homes, left even the city, and many left the country. The casualties from the Beirut explosion were 218 people who were killed. 7,000 people were injured. Amongst the dead were people from various countries, including nationals of Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, Ethiopia, Bangladesh, Philippines, Pakistan, Palestine, Netherlands, Canada, Germany, France, Australia, and the United States. Remember the explosion hit at the high time, at the high peak season of the tourism in Lebanon. August, as you know, is, is a high season of tourism. This year now we are in August and there's about 2 million, 2 million tourists in Lebanon. Added to that, you have million and a half Syrian refugee in Lebanon and several hundreds of thousands of Palestinian refugees and other refugees as um, as well. You know, the, the explosion was caused by the inadequate storage of 2,750 tons of ammonium nitrate in the port of Beirut. So beside the large number of losses of lives, the explosion also resulted in an estimated of 300,000 people who became homeless. 40,000 buildings were between mid to severely damaged amongst which at least 8,000 buildings were damaged with severity or severely damaged, uh, of which at least 640 buildings were cultural heritage buildings. And due to the Beirut explosion, Lebanon lost around 106 healthcare facilities, 106 healthcare facilities, amongst which three main hospitals for a while and 15,000 productive activities were brought to their knees. Three uninhabitable hospitals, 178 schools were damaged. 178 schools were damaged. Gerard, at that year, I'm only saying all of that because we're going to reveal a little bit of our own personal story, you and me. We were homeless on August 4th, 2020, weren't we, you and me? People don't know that. Yep, <laughs> yep we were. It was a very interesting time. Are you ashamed of it? I, I don't know. If my if I if my people, you know, I'm American, honestly, more than anything else. Um, I don't know. I didn't have the courage to tell people, my friends in the U.S. in Denver, they know me as a man of influence, 
a man of prayer, as a pastor, as, 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 but they do not know too much about the persecution times. I was homeless. You were homeless. We had a little storage area for some of our clothing, our, and, and, uh, and we did not know where to go, where to turn. And then there was this wonderful friend, a few of them actually, who hosted us between houses in Castle Rock. And it was um, August 4th, 2020. Beirut explosion happened, which was the third largest bomb to hit the humanity after Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, which happened probably August 6th and August 8th. So the three bombs were like uh, uh, one day skipping apart. Um, we were homeless. Oh, my God. I never dared to speak about that, Gerard. And I think our listeners and our friends will be shocked if they find out where, where we were. How did that make you feel? It made me the person I am today, and I'm very proud of it because uh, I, chose the, I chose to do what's right and uh, not go along with, uh, with what was the uh, status quo. So when you make these decisions and you stand up for what's right, unfortunately, uh, you have to suffer some of the persecution. But it is through fire that Jesus um, uh, uh, trains his, his disciples. It's the, you have to go through the fire at one point, and that's whether it be homeless, whether through other circumstances in your life. But I'm very proud of it because it made me uh, stronger in my convictions and maybe stronger in the mission I served and part of the persecution and why you were homeless is because we were trying to provide home for the homeless, to provide food for the poor. And this is something I'm very proud of because we were able to uh, to do it and uh, we had to suffer personally. So those personal sufferings are rewards. I see them as rewards for me that we're on the right track, that God is really with us and he's blessing our work. This is honestly the first time I, I dare to talk about this. Uh, I, I think I think our listeners are going to be shocked, but uh, I don't know. No, it's okay. We, we have to give our life testimony. I love Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I love my priesthood. I love all my people. Uh, I love I love everyone I, I met and through whom uh, I developed a relationship um, to, to, to be members of the kingdom of heaven. But on August 4th, 2020, we were sitting with our friend, and I think his wife was cooking for us, trying to make for us a chicken curry, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Or it was very spicy. It was very spicy. And uh, it was delicious, however. And, um, and then we were programming our food and our hygiene supplies because we were under COVID restrictions. Lebanon had a lot of COVID deaths. And, um, and, and uh, we wanted to send the 350 hygiene supply boxes, the 350 food supply boxes, and even more. We were trying to contact our supplier in Lebanon. This is how we found out. And then all of a sudden, we couldn't get hold of the supplier. And all the supplies, which were stored in Beirut seaport, our seeds, our uh, food, our milk, our uh, oil products, our grains products, our tuna, our butter, uh, our flour, all of it was burned to the ground. We lost all the supplies. The whole storage was basically was burned all the way to the ground. And then we saw on the news that this Beirut explosion had just happened. And um, we didn't have a place to go. We didn't have a home. We didn't have an office. We were working through our phones. I remember very clearly. Did you really go through that in the United States of America in 2020, you and me? Yep. 
I guess now that you, you uh, reminded me of it, I, I was we were I was working from my head laptop, I had a small laptop, and uh, this was running right the whole operation, the phone. And on that day, we we formed our press release, and we started the campaign to feed the people and uh, to to start the phase two. I believe feed a family, save a nation, and we started actually collecting food to feed the people after the Beirut explosion. And we ourselves had no home, had no shelter. And I had no salary, and you had no salary. Your immigration status was threatened, actually. We suffered. There was a persecution. I thank God for that. I want our people to pray with us, to help us, please. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. I worship you, my Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sharing us the power of your holy cross. But in that day also, something good happened, Gerard, and it led that three years later, minus, minus, probably um, 20 days, minus 20 days, three years and 20, 20 days less at the Beirut explosion time, we were able to found in Lebanon the Center for Blessings, the epicenter of American commitment to stand in solidarity with the persecuted Christians in Lebanon, where we have a department for food security. We're going to grow a department to start our medical health system in Lebanon. And uh, we have our uh, um, headquarter of the mission and the observatory for the persecuted Christians and religious freedom in the Middle East and in Africa. And we have our Cedar Suites guest house for our friends to come from the United States and feel safe and love the country um, uh, of Lebanon, the country of the Cedars of God. Um, how did all of this, how could all of this happen, Gerard? Can you, can you explain? God's providence and uh, his working in mysterious ways. I would say, I was. I think it's a miracle where the mission is today. After all the, uh, all the things the mission and us we had to go through, for the mission to survive, I really believe uh, it's a miracle, and I believe it's a confirmation that it's God doing this, not us. That's why I feel more zealous to uh, be more involved in the mission and to ask people to be involved in it, whether to help us or to donate to the causes that we serve. Because if it wasn't for God's providence, we won't be here today. We won't have the center today. We won't have this mission that I believe, Father Andre, you first, you were the first voice to uh, speak about the persecuted Christians, to speak about our our heritage and the land of uh, Christianity and to bring it to the United States of America. I believe that was back in 2014, 15, when you first started the mission. And uh, the word got out. And if you go to political, not necessarily political, I would say faith events or some political events across the country, they have, they always have. For prayer, uh, for prayer purpose. They always had a prayer time. Yes, they always had prayer. The, the subject of religious freedom is a prominent one. And that subject uh, became the uh, main attraction for these events, for these prayer services. And this is where it all started, from Lakewood, Colorado. And uh, I, I invite all of our listeners to help us carry this torch, because it's not a, it's not a, it's not a light one. But once you carry it, you know God will give you the strength to uh, do more than you'd even imagine, and uh, to serve people that you never thought you'll, you'll, you'll get to know. So it's definitely an opportunity. And uh, I'm very proud of the things that we've done and, and the personal sufferings that 
God graced me with in order to uh, make me stronger. So I see, I really see the value of what we're doing. And uh, it's in, engraved on me in a way where it, it, it's something that stays with you for life. Because Ahmed's suffering really, really, really the Lord spoke. You know, uh, the, the, the epistle to the Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 14 states, Here we do not have a lasting city. We seek a home that is yet to come. And uh, we really were homeless. I'm still, people don't know that. But uh, we, we are living by the grace of God and help and the generosity of people are taking care of us back home in the States and in Lebanon. Really, what does it mean to have no place to call home on earth? Yet how could we, as people of the mission of hope and mercy, build the epicenter in less than two and a half years? Um, where did the Blake family come from? Um, Norm and, and Karen, I love you. I salute you. Uh, the substantial donation that they made when they called me, they said, Father, how can we help? I said, build me a home. I need a home for the persecuted. I need a center. I need a place. And, and, and his wife goes, how about we build a center for blessings? And this what it was. And we did build a center for blessings in Lebanon, in the oldest continuously populated city on planet Earth, uh, uninterrupted civilization of humanity in Jbeil, um, in Lebanon. Um, and and uh, we inaugurated the Center for Blessing on July 15, 2023, in the presence of Dr. Susan and our team from the U.S. We sent a live stream link um, through our um, Twitter page and our Instagram page for the Mission of Hope and Mercy, and the Blake family was here, and Norm and Karen spoke at the event. And... Um, and it was a redemptive event, I do believe, right? Because it was so much consoling to us that uh, after seven years serving people without a place, without shelter, and us not having even an office, not having even an office, not having a place, not having bedrooms. Um, I remember you had a storage room. You had some stuff in downtown Denver. You had other stuff in Colorado Springs, other stuff in Greeley, I guess, or somewhere. We were like way up somewhere all over the state. In Colorado, I mean, I was out of the state even um, uh, for a while. Um, the epicenter, the epicenter, it's a mystery of redemption. Can you explain a little bit why did we need this center after the Beirut explosion, the experience of the homelessness, the loss of food and the, the loss of all these medical institutions in Lebanon? Why is it important for our American um, friends to support the mission of hope and mercy and to help us grow our funding? In millions of dollars, honestly, a lot of prayers, a lot of time, a lot of talent, a lot of treasure. Please open up your hearts. Why is it important that now we need them to stand up and support us? For now, we have a physical place that we can call Center for Blessings. For the work, I would say, to get to the higher level that the situation requires. Lebanon never gone through a period like this one that it's going through right now. And having the center is going to bring some stability and it's going to bring a consistency, much needed stability and consistency to the work we're gonna we are about to accomplish, and having that is very key to any successful organization. So thank you for the Blakes that they funded the center, but right now we need to uh, start growing in our charity program so we can basically benefit from the presence of the the center. That's also the I see it as the commitment to America to the safety of the of Lebanon, the country in the Middle East that suffered a lot and where it's been the roots of the Bible for thousands of years. So having the center be inaugurated 
by people and in the United States, I think that by itself also brings a touch of stability to uh, what we're trying to accomplish in Lebanon because the United States has been the most uh, uh, stable country, I would say, um, in the world. Uh, and uh, this is definitely going to be very helpful uh, to accomplish the mission in Lebanon. How about we pray you and me for a matching gift donation to the mission of Hope and Mercy? We are so thankful that the Blakes Foundation um, has really raised the funds of million and a half um, U.S. dollars to build and establish the Center for Blessing and a food security center. Uh, and now they are enabling us that we have a physical place. And now it's time to develop our programs, as you said, for food, for education, for uh, religious freedom in the Middle East, and uh, for the human for the human health. How about we pray for that? In an encyclical called Redemptoris Missio, Redemptoris Missio, or the Mission of Christ the Redeemer, Pope John Paul II regards all Christians as missionaries in the world. And really, as you and me think about it, you and me have experienced this missionary life. You, me, Dr. Susan, Dr. Jack, Dane, Patrick, uh, um, Cassie, many, many, many of our wonderful people and friends and volunteers in a mission of hope and mercy. I think we should think about what the words of John Paul II are for us on this beautiful day. Um, knowing that God is going to open the heart of people now in the U.S., in Denver, in Colorado, through these radio waves of KNUS, um, to assist us in fulfilling our mission. Pope John Paul II says the missionary is a person of the Beatitudes. Before sending out the twelve to evangelize Jesus in his missionary discourse in Matthew chapter 10, teaches them the path of mission, poverty, meekness, acceptance of suffering, persecution, the desire for justice and peace. Charity, in other words, the Beatitudes lived out in an apostolic life, in the apostolic life. By living the Beatitudes, the missionary experiences and shows concretely that the kingdom of God has already come and that he has accepted it. The characteristic of every authentic missionary life is the inner joy that comes from faith. In a world tormented and oppressed by so many problems, a world tempted to pessimism, the one who proclaims the good news must be a person who has found true hope in Christ. May God bless us all, and may God forgive us our sins, and may God demolish every evil from around us, give success to the world's of our hand, and may God bring us all to peace, joy, and victory in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and may God give us eternal life. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 9.30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.